This week on The Clubhouse, Anthony and I are joined by stand-up comedian Greg Proops. This is the second part of a two-part episode with Greg, so be sure to listen to last week's show so you can enjoy our full conversation with one of the smartest baseball fans in the world. In today's episode, Greg takes a crack at our trivia contest, teaches us all about Satchel Paige, and so much more. This episode was recorded at the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Well, so, all right, <laughs> we're, we're running dangerously short on time. No, we, we got, no, I, just, no. I went off track here. No, absolutely no. not. There's nominal. And their theories and stuff. And like there, I swear, I, I want to talk to you. today with all these guys. Yes. You know, because they all learn from the managers they played for or worked for in the minors. Yes. And they keep that ethos. And I think a lot of them. Which is weird to me because Joe came up in the Angels organization. Yeah. So he was working with Mike Sosha. And I do not <laughs> think of Mike Sosha as a particularly innovative but Mike Sosha played for Tommy Lasorda. Yeah. yeah. And Tommy Lasorda uh, played for, uh, well, he wasn't ever in the bigs very long. What <laughs> for 10 games in the bigs? But the Dodgers organization taught super fundamentals. Lasorda's teams could always bunt. Yeah. And they yeah. always had tremendous pitching. So that's... Uh, Defense yes. and pitching. Yes. Yeah, that's for sure, Joe. But then this uh, the other stuff, I feel, maybe he's just picked up from just playing, then maybe, you know, or, some, or reading or Some studying. guys are more influenced by other guys they work with, and yeah. some are influenced by managers. Uh, yeah. Bill James has said that. DeRocher was uh, more influenced by Chuck Dressen, who ended up managing the Dodgers. They conferred constantly. And you know, like how Torrey and Zimmer, Zimmer was his Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> like Zimmer wasn't a great manager. He managed to blow, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Cubs in yes. 89 and, <laughs> yes. you know, many other yes. Red Sox, whatnot. But Zimmer was really smart, yeah. like a baseball mind. Yeah. And I think that Joe would like turn to him and go, Don, <laughs> and he'd go, the right hander. You know, I mean, like sometimes <laughs> you just need a. Yeah. I mean, with Billy Martin, it was Art Fowler, but that was just because they were drunks together. Yeah. <laughs> and Billy Martin had that horrible habit of pitching your youngest best pitcher a thousand innings yes, until yes. he couldn't pitch anymore, yes, which yes. is terrible. Well, yeah. the, that's, that's not that's good before man. they were doing, they were really paying attention to that kind of stuff. That, no, right? yeah, there was no yeah, pitch counts. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and every team that he uh, managed ended up going to the playoffs. So they all went, well, you you drive us to the playoffs. So, yeah. But sometimes you need to... I mean, every I think every team that Billy came to in the first year, they ended up winning something like at least fourteen more games than absolutely. they did the year before. He, absolutely, it was unbelievable. Change, yeah, profound. but he but he was a, a, a you know a, a one sports writer said uh, after one till one in the morning he was okay. After one in the morning he was the worst human being in the world. And yeah, Chuck Nevius in San Francisco told me that he saw him hit uh, which pitcher was it? I can't remember when he managed the A's. He punched a pitcher in the back of the neck, in the runway. Oh, like, he, he punched his players, he berated them. Yeah, yeah. Very old-fashioned, but you have to remember, he's an old-fashioned guy. Like, he came from the era when they would yell, you dumb bastard, how did you kick that ball? Like, on yeah, the manager yeah. would yell at the players yeah. on the field, which they never do now, there's none of that. Yes. 
<laughs> you, you yell at someone making two hundred million dollars a year, you're not going to yeah. be yelling very much longer. No, exactly. <laughs> Let's see what kind of dumb. That's why there's you the, the yeah. Joe Maddens and uh, uh, Yost and Boach and all these. They're very calm. Yeah, that seems to be the yeah. thing these days. But I'll be no honest, Lou I miss I miss Lou Pinella. Earl Weaver, I love just. For, for those of you out there who may not know much about Earl Weaver, just put Earl Weaver in YouTube and have an evening of it. Because he, the way he would scream and yell, he's, he's such yeah. a little guy and he would get yeah. so fired up and just so, it was, I really miss Earl I think Earl he has Weaver. the record for being ejected. 100, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, Sweet Lou was fantastic. Then he'd go you know? and smoke. He'd stand, he'd, he wouldn't leave. He'd stand I mean, and I think. Just look out. I mean, who would, who do you think the really the last one? Uh, uh, Bobby V, maybe. I mean, Bobby V yeah. is kind of a, a crazy person who you gotta love him. But yeah, we don't. Yeah, Bobby V had emotional. Issues. Oh, I love Bobby V. Yeah. He's he's fantastic. Dave and, Johnson could a little, but all right. considering the crazy teams he managed, he was reasonably <laughs> on the straight and narrow. All yeah, right. Lou Pinella. And I remember Lasorda. They blew a game against the Phillies once. They had a ten run lead, and and Lasorda swiped all of the cups off the. T- he had a coffee cup, and he nah, like. <laughs> In the middle of the game, you well, know, they, they every once in a while, and he just <laughs> every once in a while, Jim Leland, uh, Jim Leland oh, would come out of the dugout, and because he looks like a 438 year old man, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It's, although no since moisture left in the body. since retiring though, he's lost 50 years off his face. Like it is unbelievable. One of the great how, chain smoking men. Oh yeah, he, uh, we that was <laughs> one of the bets that when I worked uh, when I, I used to own a sports magazine in Detroit, and anytime I was in the press box, the running gag would be we would have an open bet to see when he was going to come out to the mound with a cigarette in his mouth because we, he's going to forget. He's going to forget and he's going to have a cigarette in his mouth when he pulls a pitcher at one point and it never happened and it stinks because that would have been just yeah. the greatest. But all right, so there's actually like a couple more things I want to talk to you about. But okay, before go. we get there, um, we have to do our trivia game yes. and then we will we'll, uh, we'll do that because I want to make sure we get this in. So um, edit point. It's been a great, great fun, you guys. I hope I haven't blathered too much. I didn't mean to. No, 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 absolutely not. Are you kidding me? This is, I'm telling you, we could talk to you for 100%, you know, I don't know, weeks. (laughs) But uh, uh, so here we go. (laughs) Now batting for the San Francisco Giants, playing second base, number 21, Greg Bruce. All right, so yes, it's a weird game in the sense that you will bat all the time and you'll be yourself on base <laughs> and knocking yourself in, but you know. Okay. All right. But having said that, so there's you get four at-bats to a chance to make three outs. First question is a single, if you get it right. Second question is a double, if you get it right. Depending on the nature of the question slash answer, it's possible you could knock the runner in from first. I was going to say. Can, it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. You could score from first, first maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's also a possible steal. Okay. And from first. And then the third question would be a triple, and the fourth would be a home run. So okay. you have the chance to score four runs for the Giants. And are these Giants trivia questions? All Giants, Giants trivia questions. Okay, all right. All right. All right. Okay. So that's that's the name of the game. All right. Or that's all not right. the name of the game. That's the rule. Those we never really came up with the name of this game. Yeah, you know what, game. listeners out Just, there? If, 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 if one of you has a, 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 a name for this, you know, tweet at us, uh, at ClubhousePod, or uh, send me an email at uh, ClubhousePodcast at gmail.com. You know, uh, if you, you know what, if, if, you, if we use your name for uh, this game, you'll get a free signed uh, calendar for uh by by myself and uh mr anthony Raff it's not a calendar here. of him it's a calendar of it's a calendar of, of ballparks ball when i did my 30 stadium yeah. tour oh, yes. uh i took uh photos of all the parks as well so there's a i saw uh, that on your website uh yeah mm-hmm. so there's a wall calendar of uh, uh the parks that are available by tf publishing you can purchase them now for 2016 uh sorry here we go uh here it is for a single mm-hmm. 
On September 15th, 1963, the outfield of the San Francisco oh, Giants. Matty, Jesus, and uh, Felipe <laughs> Alou. Well, let me finish the question. Three brothers. In September, yeah, all right. Fine. And we kept Jesus, who was the worst of the three. Yeah. Okay. Now well, hold on. Bat- let me let me finish the question so the listeners know what we're talking Maddie about. Here. Won a batting crown on September fifteenth, nineteen sixty-three. The outfield of the San Francisco Giants all had the same last name. Name all three of them, please. And yes, yeah. fully. Fully, <laughs> so, he went on to manage the Jesus, Giants. Maddie, yes, Alu. Yeah. So here's the thing about um, the way that that hit happened to me. Ringing smash <laughs> off the wall, qu- crazy ricochet, little lumbery getting out of the box, held to a single round. He made a good turn around first, heading to second, but was held to a single by good fielding off of a clean ricochet off the wall because that was a smash. Well, so and by the way, and here's something that we haven't mentioned. So we're we're keeping track of all the other, you know, of, of who scored the most runs. So right now, James Merrillat, uh, representing the Colorado Rockies, he knocked in all four runs. Oh my! And so Dante Bichette style. But here's the beauty of it: Joan Walsh, who yeah. is because you are our second San Francisco Giants Joan Walsh, guest. Yeah, so we had we had Joan on, and uh, she scored a run. Yeah. And so if you do get all four of these right, the Giants will take the lead. She's quite a good writer too. She's yeah. a fantastic writer, and she she oh for all those of you listen to the Joan Walsh episode. Yeah. You know, Giants fans out there, she's got some incredible Giants stories. Uh, she just wrote a book, did she not? Uh, I believe so. She wrote, she's written a couple of, of baseball stuff. She's written about Dusty as well. Yeah. And, and, um, but all right. Uh, so this is where now you have a chance to steal. Now, here's how this works I'm going to read the question. If you want to steal, answer the question. If you don't, and if you're out, you're out. If you get it wrong. If you don't want to steal, you can just pass and we'll move on to the double. Okay. But, but is the runner on base? We never established this. If you yeah, no, he's on first right now. No, but if he if he misses the question, is he thrown out? Yeah, it's a, yeah, he's thrown yeah, out. He, yeah. Okay, so okay, so okay. you're gonna CS. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> so Felipe started that game. Uh-huh. Okay. Jesus and Maddie were defensive replacements. Can you please tell me which two players did Jesus and Maddie replace in the outfield? And I'll remind you, this was 1963. Mm. I'm probably going to, I know I can get one of them, and that's going to be the he's undoing dan- He's dancing of off first. He's dancing off he's first. Dancing. Yeah, he's dancing. Exactly. He's, it's a bluff. It's a bluff move. It is a little bit of a bluff. So because, would uh, you like to pass on the, uh, on the attempt to steal? No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's Willie Mays and Ed Bailey. Oh. So he has now been picked off of first, uh, actually. Who was it? Uh, Willie Mays is correct. Yeah. The other one is another Willie. Oh, Willie Kirkland. McCovey. Oh, McCovey. Yeah. God, McCovey was playing left. Yeah. Yeah, left. So in the seventh, Jesus replaced left fielder Willie McCovey. I should have just picked the two most famous players instead of outguessing myself and yeah. going at Bailey. Yeah. And so. Uh, uh, should have said Mason McCovey. But you know what? The Giants won that game 15 to 5. So oh, they did okay game. for themselves. Yes. Good game. All right. So now here is. Didn't win the pennant that year. Or though. a double. All right. So here's now the bases are empty. Yeah, base is empty. Can you get a double empty. here? You can get a double. I have to hit a tater, right? Oh, no, no I can no, get a double. This now. is the yeah, double, yeah. yeah. Who was the first black manager hired in the National League? Frank Robinson. There Frank you go. Robinson. Now, there's some cool trivia there that you're going to dig. He right was also that. the first black manager hired in the American League. Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Frank Robinson, Giants manager, 81 and 84. Before that, he was the Indians manager from 75 71. So Not a, a popular manager in San Francisco. No. And here's an interesting note. Technically, the first black manager in baseball history was Ernie Banks in 73. The Cubs manager, Whitey Lockman, was ejected, and Ernie, uh, he gave the lineup card to Ernie to take over. So he wasn't 
hired as the manager, uh-huh. but he actually managed part now, of the game. Now, when they had the College of Coaches in the early 60s yes. on the Cubs, was Buck O'Neill one of those College of Coaches? Because technically he might have. Because Buck was a coach on right. the Cubs. Yeah, but then he never would have. He was the coach. Yeah, sure, yeah, but, but, he, they, but they never would have, uh, in an ejection situation, I don't think yeah, they ever yeah, gave him a lineup card. Right. So, I wonder uh, about that. Okay, yeah. so I'm so, on second. So you're on, on second, second now. Yeah, and All that right. was a nice, that was a very good, I would say that was a double, like a pulled right down the, the left field line, just like rolled into a corner. Nice, yeah, but, good, but, good, but play, good play up. in the corner. Yeah, but the outfielder got to, got, got to it fast, yeah, so that's yeah, why you couldn't really get to third. So it was a good defensive play. All right, here we go. Now this is for a triple. Triple. The most exciting hit in baseball. I agree. I saw an amazing triple this past summer. Who? It was uh, Kevin Kiermaier from oh. the Tampa Bay Rays. Speedy, wonderful, yeah. play, you know, defensive center fielder. I watched the ball, you know, hit into the gap as I was watching it roll, and I had good seats, oh. like in the on the third base line. Were you in Tampa? No, in Seattle. Beautiful, Seattle. beautiful ballpark. I'm watching it roll, and I kind of just even as I like just am watching it roll, he's already around second. Oh, it was yeah. one of the most yeah. amazing things I've ever yeah. seen. It was thrilling. All right, so here we go. This okay. this might be tough, might but but because right. uh, there's there's a lot of names you're gonna have to name for me here. Okay. Right. There are eight players who have been on the active playoff roster. Please remember, if this is the active playoff roster for the 2010, 12, and 14 World Series, eight of them. Yeah, so it's not it's not Zito as established earlier, <laughs> because <laughs> so, he was not on the active roster in 2010. Name as many of them as you can, please. Yeah, okay. Uh, on the active playoff roster. For the triple. Uh, uh, well, in 20... There's 10, 12, and 14. There are eight of them. There are eight in total. Yeah, I wonder about Linscom and Kane because I don't know that Linscom and Kane were active in 2014. Uh, Panda Bear is first. He was on all three. There's one. Um, Affleck was on all three. Affleck or Affelt? Uh, Affelt. We call, <laughs> him, Affleck. we call him Affleck. Yes. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, because he's. I know what Affleck. he meant. We knew what he meant. We, uh, I know. Of course we did. Of course uh, Romo, we did. Romo. Uh, uh, Say Romo. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's Romo. Well, um, there's a, another couple of relievers. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, he's a Casilla. Four. Um. Crawfish wasn't on the 2010 team. Um, Buster. Five. Is five. Mm. Um, Mad Bum. Mad six. Bum Gunners. Yep, six. Is, is, uh, Sorry, I was, yep, I was looking on the list. Of those. Um, we changed outfields so many times that I don't think there's one outfielder that was on all three teams. And I don't think there was any bench players that weren't on all three teams. So I'm guessing the other two are also relievers, and it's not, it's not Contos. It's the other Latin. There's two. There's one white guy and one Latin guy. If if I remember incorrectly, you'd think I'd know this one. Just got to get one more. I mean, there's there's two more left. We just got to get one more. Oh, I only have to get one more. Yeah. So I had Casilla Posey. Uh, 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 who are my pitchers? Uh, so you've gotten Affel, Casilla, and Romo. Those. If are... I get the next one wrong, then I I don't get the triple, right? Yes. Mm. I'm going to say Timmy. Just I'm going to take a wild. Start, All right, that's seven active. out of eight, and that is a triple. I'm going to give you. Uh, can you do the eighth one? I'm just curious if you can do the eighth one. It, he's a Latin, and I can't think of his name. You are. I mean, so yeah, he's got the triple. He, he's, he's from Venezuela. JL are the initials. 
Uh, oh, Lop- Javier Lopez. All right, so that's a triple uh-huh. and a run scores. No, you could see the, yeah, that's that's, a, that's, that's tough that's to great. name eight for no. That's that's, that's, a, that's a tough tough well question. Done. So a run has scored. The Giants have two runs now. And that was even like like that was hit so well. Yeah. That it was like <laughs> thank a you for slow, allowing me to say Affleck. A slow yeah, runner. <laughs> a slow runner made a stand up triple. Yeah, yeah, that was a panda sized runner there. That because was that's he, yeah. Lopez, Romo, Affelt, and um, uh, Casilla are what we called our. Our core four. Yeah, that was those yeah. those four guys were on all so four good. teams. They're God, all Romo very good was relievers. So good. Yeah. You know what? And we're gonna get to the home run in a second. But well, first of all, uh, Matt Cain was not on 2014 on the active yeah. roster, and that's why I had to remember uh-huh. that Matt Cain did not play in that. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, Mr. Wilson? You guys had Brian Wilson for for a minute there. I I in 2010 he was unstoppable. I mean I remember him before the beard. You know, he, what do you he think had of the, that weird weak chin in yeah, 2008 and 2009? The beard kind of became. <laughs> I think that was his undoing. I think it that became his gimmick so hard that he became more like that was his persona so much that I think it took him out of the game. He was lights out in 2010. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean he was lights was. out. Like that guy was. He, he, when you brought him in, you knew you had a real chance to win. The unfortunate part was that Romo went from being the stop because he had been the stopper in 2012, and then that he kind of choked it up a little in the summer, and they brought in Romo, and then that was it for Casilla. And then in 2014, it went the other way. The other way. way. Yeah. Romo, the other was, way. So Romo was the guy, and then Romo couldn't get it yeah. done. Yeah. All right, now here we go. This four. Okay. You got two outs, so basically you can get uh, you can get an answer. Uh, uh, I got wrong. a man on third. Here. You got a man on third. You got runs already in. This is a home run. So you can so. get three runs. Okay. You could tie the Colorado Rockies. All right. All right. Who was the first Japanese player to appear in a major league game? Ah, Masanura Murakami. Wow. That See, that's the one that Joan completely uh, upper deck uh, whipped on. Into the parking lot. <laughs> 1964? Uh, I don't know. Really wow. Well, that was. All right. So the Giants have Muscle. tied the Colorado Rockies, and they now that have four so runs. I mean, that was that was a Barry Bond. That was McCovey yeah. Cove. That was the guys in the kayaks yeah. are diving. <laughs> did you ever jump in the kayaks, Craig? Did you ever uh, decide to go did. out there? I've never have been in the water there. I don't think going in the San Francisco Bay is a very really healthy <laughs> idea. For many it's like going in the Charles River in Boston. It's just or Detroit. Like just don't yeah. go in the river. All right, so there are there's like quite literally a million things that I want to talk to you uh, about. Um, but we're gonna focus on two of them right now, just because uh, uh, the first one is well, the one that we end the podcast with, which I'm gonna ask you now, so you can think about it a little bit. Is we always like to end our podcast by asking our guests kind of what that quintessential baseball moment was in your life that that defines you as a baseball fan. Mm. So it doesn't have to be a, a game that you were at or a game that you were watching, just that moment where you're like, oh, this is why I'm a baseball fan. But think about that for a second. Okay. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Satchel Paige. Oh, yes, please. Because you, you, know, you wrote about Satchel. Yeah. And Satchel is someone that I have endlessly been fascinated by. And it's always bummed me out, you know, that, that he didn't get to play, you know, Right, twenty years in the bigs. Yes, uh, and that he wasn't or the first. Like, he should have been in my or, like, or forty. I, he should have been the first. <laughs> like to me, Jackie, Jackie is Jackie, but but Satchel, and from from the information that I've got from different uh, writers that I've talked to, um, who've written extensively about him, is that he had a penchant for white women, and that's kind of why mm. uh, he did not uh, get the call to be up. But can you just tell me some stories that you uncovered that you learned, or some things that you really liked? About uh, Mr. Page. Oh well, almost everything. The the greatest book I've ever read uh, about him. Uh, his book, of course, his two books are fabulous. Yes. But there's a book by uh, a writer. Oop, I've just blanked on his Larry name. Larry Ty. No, the Larry Ty book is very good mm-hmm. and ex- and ex- uh, extraordinarily well researched. Um, his name is William. 
Price Fox, and he wrote a book called Satchel Pages America. And it's on a very small university press, like University of North Carolina Press or something. And it's from about 10, 15 years ago. He was sent by Look Magazine in the early 70s to Kansas City uh, to do a story on Page. So that's the premise of the book. He shows up at the um, bowling alley, and Page is smoking Marlboros and drinking Budweiser's. And he comes in, and another guy brings him in, and because you don't just walk up to him, right? And he goes, this is Bill, and uh, he's here, to, he's a writer. And Page goes, sit down, Bo. He goes, he goes, where are you from? And he goes, North Carolina. And Page's like, you're from the South. He says, I'm going to call you Bo, right? I'm not going to call you Bill. You're going to be Bo. And uh, Fox says to him, look, they gave me two grand, right? for you to write this article. This is your money. And he has it in his pocket, right? Two grand. This is the early 70s. It's a lot of cash. <laughs> and he gives it to him. And Paige goes, I'll tell you what, Bo. I'll give you half back and you give me half when we're done writing this article, right? So the whole book is him spending a couple of weeks with Paige in Kansas City. They go to the barbecue place, the famous one. I can't remember the name, but Baxter's whatever. Uh, oh, of course, he's the mayor. They go to a, a nightclub and there's a big band playing. And when Paige walks in, the band leader stops everything and goes, ladies and gentlemen, Satchel Paige. And they put a spotlight on him. They give him champagne. They sit in the front. And then they're going to do a number later in the show. Girls, a girl gets up and is shaking it in Paige's face, right? And the, the author's just like, you know, the whole time, right? <laughs> and Paige goes, I'll show you how to do it. And the band leader kicks a number in. And Paige gets up and does a cakewalk across the floor. <laughs> arms flapping, legs <laughs> kicking over his head. He's 6'3", weighs 120 pounds, right? Uh, they go to the muffler shop with the station wagon, and Paige goes, all right, look, don't take the whole muffler out. I can't afford it. Cut that part there and fix what needs to be. And they have a scrub team of kids that Paige wants to take on the road. He's 70. <laughs> and he says, come with me. And then there's a, a player there, a black player, and uh, he goes, you got to come with me. We're going to do this and this. And the guy's like, my wife won't let me, man. And so Paige is like, and then so Paige says to the writer at the end, why don't you come with me, man? We're going to go on the road. I got these teenagers here. We're going to, you know, we're going to eat sandwiches and we're going to drink Cokes and we're going to play these games and I'll be the manager. And, and Fox goes, I can't. I got to go back to do my thing. And then he drives away. And that's the end. And he's like, Oh, why didn't I go with Satchel? Oh, oh my God. God. And the book's 100 pages long. Oh, no. He talks about drinking, uh, hanging out with Jelly Roll Morton in New Orleans in the 20s. Jelly Roll Morton's wardrobe, the yellow socks and the green coats and the polka dot ties. He, it's the best baseball book you've ever read, and there's no baseball in it. <laughs> I mean, you know, he talks about Ted Williams, sure. this well, guy. Of course, yeah, sure, sure, few, sure. Few memories of playing in the bigs and stuff. And, yeah. you know, he's, he, he's in the last championship world series team that cleveland had 1948 cleveland's won the world series and satchel page is on that team first black pitcher to pitch yeah. in the world series yeah. first black pitcher to get a ring first black yeah. pitcher to fucking he was six and one he almost was got rookie of the year and of course his quote was i wondered what year the gentleman had in mind <laughs> so wow that book is the greatest book on him i would read that one that's the first thing i'd recommend you uh, it's romantic. It's it's just it's it's a real character study of him. He's older, and uh, uh, he drinks and, and pontificates, and he knows everything about it. Anybody brings up a topic, he weighs in on. Yeah, uh, heavyweight boxing, uh, pop music, uh, 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 how to cook a hamburger, how to how to shoot, how to take care of hunting dogs, how to yeah. like anything you can yeah. think of. Did he talk about? Um, did he go on record 
ever about racial stuff? Well, a or lot. The history, American a, a history lot, yeah. and all that stuff? Did he? The most salient thing he said, uh, obviously when Jackie came in, he said to the papers, Jackie's the finest ball player I've seen. And he was really nice about it. But personally, he was inconceivably hurt, right? Yeah. He said to his wife, I can't believe they did this to me. I'm the most famous black athlete in America. And he was. Him and Joe yeah. Lewis, arguably, are the two most famous at the era we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And the truth is, I think, he made two, the white women's one thing, and that's true, because when he played in North Dakota, he was an automaker, and he was a very famous pitcher in North Dakota for years, barnstorming, and the guy gave him a car to drive around in, and he said to Paige after the first season, I don't mind you riding around with the white girls, but do you have to do it in the daytime in front of everybody, oh, right? Because yeah. like he was <laughs> taking white girls out and, you know, yeah. whatever, and they were like, you know, there were no black people. Yeah. He was the black neighborhood. <laughs> and they made him and his wife live in a boxcar. I'm not kidding. But in any case, when he got in the Hall of Fame, Ted Williams gave a speech when he was inducted in 66. And Ted Williams wasn't known for his race relations in particular. And the Boston team was the last to integrate 59. Although Ted was particularly nice to Pumpsy Green, who was the first black player in Boston, and made a big point out of going out to play catch with him in front of everybody when they'd warm up so that sure. the fans wouldn't get crazy. Yeah. And Ted is playing catch with him. Ted. Right, Teddy Ball game. Yeah. So he's cool in that regard. So five years later, he retires, and he gets up in the Hall of Fame without his tie, and he says, um, "There's something I'd like to know. How come Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson aren't in the Hall of Fame?" And yeah. he said it in front of everyone. Wow. Uh, Eckert or whoever was the commissioner then almost had a heart attack, right? Because no one was saying this then. <laughs> sure. So they started the Negro League committee, yeah. and then there was this movement where they were going to put him in a separate wing. A segregated wing because mm. <laughs> they were black and they didn't play against whites and blah, 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 blah. And that got squashed. And then Kuhn, who was no great race relations, no commissioner has been good, in my opinion. <laughs> They're all evil, venal, <laughs> icky tools of the white corporate structure of baseball. I, I, there's no arguing. Peter Ruoth, whoever you want to name that. Bart Giamatti, whatever. But Bart Giamatti barred. Pete Rose, yeah, when legally, if you were going to look at it that way. Yeah. Actually, he didn't bar him. Well, in any case. Uh, so, Paige got in like five years later. And he showed up in his spectacles and his little tie and everything. And he said, what baseball has done today is turned me from a second-class citizen into a second-class immortal. <laughs> and he said it on the stand. And That's everybody amazing. had to hear it. That's and everybody amazing. had to take it. Wow. I love that man so much. He was an amazing... Oh. He made too much money barnstorming uh, and when they yeah. brought him up. He was also 44, probably. Uh, and so, and to a lot of white writers, mostly, and this is where the, the trick is, and the owners, he was a clown and not a great athlete. And so they thought he, he, he too much monkey shines, you know what I mean? Like yeah. too much goofing. And uh, Jackie was pious. Didn't smoke, didn't drink. Yeah. No, Jackie was no yeah. officer, officer, yeah. officer. Jackie in the Army. was perfect. Yeah. Like he he had every requirement, even though he was a little older and not the best player in the Negro Leagues by a mile. No, Monty Irvin was better than him. Luke Josh Easter, uh, 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 Larry Doby, who came up right after. A couple weeks year. afterwards, yeah, a couple weeks, couple months for the for the months after. Yeah, yeah. a couple but months. I mean, yeah, yeah. Pretty, the pretty. difference was like. Paige was probably making 30, 40 grand yeah. playing Negro League ball. Yeah, and. That, the major league minimum in 1947 was probably like two and a half thousand. Well, this is back when they had off-season jobs. Like, yeah, this yeah. is when they had to win the World Series. Oh, otherwise, they to weren't going to check. Yes, to otherwise they check. weren't going to pay yeah. pay the rent. So that's one of the main 
reasons. And the other reason why the owners were so hesitant to integrate was they were making a fortune renting the parks out to the black teams on the weekends. So the senators who were terrible for 100 years would draw nobody during the week. And then on Sunday, there'd be 35, 40,000 people for the black teams. And the owners were like, I, we don't want that income to dry up. Yeah. And as soon as we start integrating, they're going to stop coming on Sunday. And now we're going to have to deal with our crappy teams. So, well, you know, that's one of the things about baseball that I, that it's tough for me to reconcile with. Where, look, baseball is my, my life. Baseball. Yes. Baseball is my life. Baseball is heroin to me. It's, me too. I love it. But you know, I get into arguments with people about earlier, you were talking about the seventies, maybe not having the gaudy numbers that you were, mm. you know, or whatnot. And anytime I look at numbers pre 47, it's, I'm so, they didn't right. play against We're black people. I'm sorry. I love you, babe. I love you, Ty yeah. Cobb. I love you, you know, Walter Johnson. I love you. All those, you're all wonderful, beautiful players. You didn't play against blacks. You didn't play against Latin. You didn't play against, you played against, you know. Didn't play at night. <laughs> you didn't play at night. You didn't it's, fly. It's, 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 didn't have to go coast to coast. Yeah. yeah so it's just, it, there's a, there's a lot of me. Didn't have to that, face relievers that threw hundred miles an hour. Yeah. They're fresh as a daisy. Oh God. I don't understand how these guys do it. You know, hundred plus miles per hour in the ninth inning. We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please, email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with Emmy Award-winning actor John Hamm. In this clip, John explains how much of a baseball nerd he is by recounting a day where he listened to the radio broadcast of a 30-year-old ball game. I listened to almost the whole game. Like I started listening to it and I was like, I kind of got into it and I was like, oh my God, like this is crazy. But you listen to it and there is, it's such a different rhythm. Like it is so much less wall to wall sound. Yeah. Other than the sound of the game, yeah. you know, of the crowd and of the things like that's kind of ambient. It's not foxed out. It's just very, it's very pleasant. And you could understand why like that was a lovely thing to do. Like it's relaxing, it's fun. And this is a very exciting game. And it, by the end of it, it, it ramps up, but it has its this, this really cool, it's it's an interesting thing to do, I think, if, you, if you've got to spare three hours and you want to <laughs> listen to some old baseball. And now back to our conversation with Greg Proops. I'll argue this, that I think Babe Ruth and uh, Ty Cobb and some of the superb players, Gehrig, whatnot, sure. um, if they played against the Blacks, uh, their numbers might have been a little bit less, but they still would have been sure. superstars. Once again, I, I, I take nothing away. But the, the bottom third of the league, because it took till the, really the 90s or the 80s for blacks to be allowed to be mediocre in the big leagues. Mm. I mean, yeah. if you're talking about Jackie and Willie's era, the late 40s into the, all the way into the 60s, frankly, uh, look at the MVPs uh, from the time Jackie came in till 1960. They're black every year in the National League. I think there's maybe one white guy in yeah. the whole decade yeah. that won an MVP. So that's the caliber yeah. of players yeah. that came up. That's it's Clemente, yeah, it's, yeah, totally Mays, really good Aaron Banks, yeah. McCovey, Cepeda. I mean, this is who's coming up every year. They weren't letting 
a 240 hitting, good fielding shortstop black guy, and they weren't letting any pitchers in. They really, baseball's had a huge problem always, like football with quarterbacks, allowing black people to pitch. They see a black guy and he can throw hard. I'm going to put you in center. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And you know what? That's that's an absolutely brilliant point. I never the that's that's I think Name my favorite line. Did you, did you, now there's more. Did you hear the weird thing that Dusty Baker said the other day though? Mm-mm. He's talking about the Nats <laughs> and and speed and you know needing speed and he's like, "Yeah, we need we need more uh, black and latin players on the team for speed." He literally yeah, right, said right. It. And, then he, and then he said, right, I'm not, the he said, I'm not racist. This yeah, is not a racist. I don't mean that, except he meant it. <laughs> yeah. Except he meant it. So that's a weird, it's rare that you hear Dusty's that. Had, Dusty, God bless him, he sticks his foot in his mouth a couple of times. I, I mean, know. It's, it's... You know he meant it. Yeah, of, course of course he meant, he meant it. it. Of course he meant it. He played on a team with Henry Aaron, and yes. Henry Aaron was his idol. And yes. Henry Aaron was a superb... You're talking about consistency, right? Oh, God, yeah. The, um, it, it's not a matter of like, is he better than Mays? Is he better than Mantle? He's the most consistently great ball player for 20 million years. I mean, well, that's, yeah, nobody when you, comes near him. When you look at his numbers and he's 35, 36, 37, 38. He it's, hits 30 home runs. It's, so like, and we didn't really, and I'm kind of glad. And because hits 290. I, I'm kind of bored of talking about him. So we're not going to talk about him because uh, we got to end the show soon. Mm-hmm. But with Bonds, like he's the other guy that got, quote unquote, got better, you know, mm-hmm. after he turned 35. Right. But obviously we all know why that is. And when you look at Aaron, his body was clearly broke, you know, breaking mm-hmm. down, but he was still, now, yes, he was taking up, you know, he's taking greenies, he's taking that. But they that's, once again, but that's that's fundamentally, I'm sorry, that is fundamentally different than injecting a yeah. serum into your, a super See, serum. I'm not as serious about it as you are, but I I, I think there's a different drugs in every era and that the steroid era is, is its own era. And I think that Barry and Roger are the two best players of their era and their careers coincide almost completely from the time they started to the time. Wait, they, Roger Clemens. Clemens, the Clemens. Okay, I'm sorry. And from, what is it, about 85 to? Yeah. 2007 or whatever, yeah. they, their careers literally are almost match. And I think they both, and one's no got seven Cy Youngs, one's got seven MVPs. Like, it's right. kind of funny how, how... No one's within any reach of them. They are the two best players, roids or no roids, and it's ridiculous to keep them out forever and ever and ever. They were the best players before the roids. Yeah. yeah. They were the best players after the roids. <laughs> Roger Clemens, if you recall, had a couple crappy years with Boston. Yeah. Then he went to Toronto and won 20 games twice and then went to New York and was off the chain. And that's the second part of his career. Yeah. And like everything gets hung on Barry, but it's like, well, he's the because he, well, no, he's the face of it, obviously. Right. Like I'm fully, that whole era what for me Raphael, is. Raphael, bloody Paul, Paul Merrill. Oh, yes. I did not. The, my, my favorite, I was living in D.C. during the congressional Brady hearings. Anderson, you know. And what we had, uh, Charles Sheeler, we had Charles Sheeler, uh, the lawyer who cleaned up baseball. You know, Charles right. is the gentleman who represented Major League Baseball through all the steroid hearings and was on, you know, in, 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 on the Hill and whatnot during all the, I did not, you know, when Sammy Sosa forgot how to speak English and right. when, when Paul Merrill waved his fingers to everybody. So I, years ago, I made peace with the fact that Aside from Ken Griffey Jr. and Frank Thomas, those are the only two that I, I will take out and say, no, I will. They probably didn't. There's, no. it's, I'm 99.9 repetent percent sure that those two didn't touch the stuff. Yeah. But everybody else in that era. I think so, yeah. I including think, all the pitchers. And 100% including the pitchers has a stink on them. Has sure. Whether it's they did it once or they did it all the time or, or they even just thought about it at night one time. It's it's just I think it's, they had to to be competitive. One exactly. And the owners look the other way. Let's be everyone. Honest. The writers look the other way. The trainers look the other way. Where I don't blame it on the players I, as much. It's it's a super super frustrating, complicated thing. Yeah. Obviously, with Barry and Roger and McGuire and Sosa, the guys that were 
making the most headlines and money at the time are going to be the ones we focus on the most now. Well, Ken Seiko, who everybody ranks on, and he was the only one who was told the truth from yeah. the very uh, beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay, that he's a mess, but he did tell the truth yes. from the very beginning. And I mean, he yeah. never denied it. And you see, guys, you know, when, once McGuire pretty much uh, admitted it, they welcomed him back into well, baseball. I was going to say, he gets to coach, and now Barry's coaching. Well, Barry's going to coach, which I'm, you know what? That, as soon as you told that phenomenal story about how he uh, uh, trained, yeah. I'm curious if he's going to implement that in Miami. And Giancarlo Stanton. I think so. I'm going to be curious to see. Stanton hits 390. Oh, God. Stanton. I mean, I, I want that boy to be healthy so badly. Just Camp because. Is such a redheaded stepchild, Miami. too. Like, I mean, I love when Joe Madden managed them, and I think they, you know, they with with very little, they've done so much. But the truth is, their fans are bloody awful, and they never come to the game. And so, all right, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> the franchise could disappear, and no one would notice. Yeah. We really have to wrap this up, but all I right, need right. to. But no, 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 I, I need gotta to go, and you've got to work. I need to answer that that thing. So, why Tampa doesn't show up? So, I've been now to yeah. Tampa multiple times, yeah. and I've interviewed a bunch of fans there. There are are a couple of main reasons. Number one, um, it's young franchise, so you know they haven't been around too long. Number two, that that ballpark is in St. Pete. It's not in Tampa. Right. There's one bridge to get from one place to another. And if you try to leave work at five to a seven o'clock game, you're going to get in there in the third, fourth inning. Yeah. Uh, number three, here's, I think, the biggest problem. Baseball in Tampa starts in February. And, say, in fe- and in February, you get to, for, for 20, 30 bucks, you get to have a lot more access to these superstar players. So by the time July- you can go August, see them. Yes. So by the time July and August comes around, it's why am I going to spend 80 bucks right. or a hundred bucks when I could, you know, whatever. I've always maintained- Tampa is a phenomenal phenomenal baseball town. Sure. I just don't think it's a phenomenal Major League Baseball team town. I think they need to rebrand themselves, the amateur baseball capital of the world. And in the offseason, instead of having these guys go to Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican, et cetera, et cetera, and, doing, and taking some maybe potentially weird drugs that they come back and all of a sudden they get popped because they didn't mm-hmm. know what they were putting in their bodies. Hey, Tampa, become the winter home of Major League Baseball and be the place for all the ball players. That's not a bad idea. That's, I, that's really what I think they need to do. I think they expanded way too fast and too hard the last two expansions. I would have I contracted. More, yeah. I would have gone down to, what are we at, 30? We're at 30, 30 now. 30. Well, I, would have, I would have stayed at 26. I agree. Uh, I, I think it didn't need to be that long. And I would have gone to 154-game season. I, I don't see what the problem really? is. Really? Yeah, why not? A week's not a big deal. I see. I'm, I'm a big fan of, I know this will never I mean, happen. I love six months, but it's like, I'm a look big how fan. long the postseason is. That's now. ridiculous. If you I'm, went to 154 game season, they still get to play each other the same amount of times. And I'm still more a fan of, I know it'll never happen, right. but uh, double headers every Sunday and Monday is off. I love double headers. I want double headers Do they every Sunday. Do have them anymore? Not only, day, not rain, only rain out. Situation. And they only have day night. They don't have traditional double when headers. When I was little, we, no, every, once we while, have double every once in a while, if there's a special yeah, circumstance, they'll, they'll But for the most part, it's day night double headers. One But so, So I'm saying every Sunday in the year every Sunday should be double header day and Mondays are off. I think there you go. That's how you 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 know shorten the season yeah. and that's how you get these guys a double little bit headers are time. great. Oh, I can remember se- several monumental double headers. Double headers are great. It's it's Look, my favorite day of the year is, is opening day because I quite like a a, a hermit uh, vagabond. I, I lock myself into a room and from noon till one well, a.m. Seven hundred games. I just watch every single game back to back to back to back to back, and it's my heaven. So the, the Giants too play uh, during the week in the daytime, and the Giants play Saturday uh, or Sunday. And a lot of teams, uh, like the Dodgers, never play Saturday in the daytime. So the Tigers. Oh, they always play Saturday night. The Tigers yeah, in April. The Giants will play. Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, and then they yeah. also play Tuesday and Wednesday, and it's yeah. like they always have, and it's it's it day games, makes it the, funner. Day know? baseball is the only baseball I ever want to see again. It's April in Detroit because it's 
crushingly cold. Yeah, I was it's say. all it's all day games. Yeah. So for the first month of the season, all of our home games are day games, and it's. I get it. A lot of you have no one can have come. No real one can jobs. Come. Yeah. I, we're lucky. Where where right. you know we, we get, get to, to squeeze around. Yeah, exactly. Where I can watch an afternoon game be okay. But uh, yeah, I love day baseball. But, all right, here we go. So we are are dangerously close. And as I said, you got to go, Anthony. You got to go uh, entertain Los Angeles with your dulcet tones. Uh, so your favorite baseball memory, your quintessential baseball moment. I've been pondering it as since you brought it up to me, and I can think of about a million things. Of course. <laughs> uh, it's not so much one time. It's uh, when I was talking about my dad taking me to the yard when I was little. Uh, Candlestick was on this big hill, and uh, you, you parked in the crappy car, you know, parking lot, the giant ass parking lot that was next to the cranes, right? It was near Hunters Point Shipyard. And you'd, <clears throat> excuse me, later they had escalators and stuff, but in the late 60s, early 70s, you walked up the hill. And on Sunday, when you walked up the hill, there was a blind guy playing an accordion with a dog next to him, and he wore a giant button that said, help me, and he had a giant's cap on. And there was three bands at the ballpark, a Dixieland band, a mariachi band, and a giant's band who wore orange blazers. And they would circulate around the park uh, during the game. So you'd end up with a mariachi band next to your section. And there was an old Chinese guy named Gus. And you'll forgive me this impression of him, but this is how he spoke. I don't want anyone to ride into the show and say Greg's a racist. Hit a guy, get a hair, Willie McCovey, damn it! Damn it, Willie Mays! Willie Mays, damn it, he get your head! And he, I don't think, had a seat. Like, he kind of sure. drifted around the grandstand. Sure. And he had a walking stick, a sport oh. coat that was 17 sizes too big, a cigarette, and a Giants cap on. And the Coca-Colas uh, uh, didn't have the plastic tops then. This is before that. So they'd put a piece of cellophane or plastic wrap over it. So you'd peel it back a little bit, right? And candlestick's always super windy, even in the daytime, especially yeah. after 3 o'clock in the afternoon when the wind, like, totally kicked in. So you, and no cup holders in these days. This is pre-cup holder. So you'd put your Coke under your seat, right? And then you'd pick it back up, and there'd be peanut shells in it, right? Like, the whole Coke... <laughs> would be full of peanut shells that had swirled into the Coke. Um, uh, those are the, uh, the hot dogs came in a tank. They didn't have them individually wrapped in buns. They were bobbing in a crap tank of dirty water. Water, yes. Dirty water And dog. the guy would take the tongs, and he, he banged the tongs on the, on the metal thing as he walked down the aisle, and he'd go, you know, hot dogs, hot dogs. And my dad go, too. And then he'd say, with or without. And there was a stick, like a, a tongue depressor, in Goulden's mustard, which was the San Francisco mustard then. It was a brownish yellow. And he, it, the stick had unspeakable <laughs> crust on it. And he would whap it on the dogs, bang, bang, right? And then hand them to you. And the buns were mushy, you know? Of course. And that to me was like, that's when I loved baseball the most. I, it's not so much that I, I have specific memories of Willie McCovey. I could tell you certain no, games. No, it's It's that, the smell of cigars. And cigarettes in the grandstand, the peanut shells, uh, 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 um, the seagulls, uh, the first drunk being carried up the aisle. I remember seeing my first drunk adults, you know, that were out of control. My dad was a bartender, but like a guy would be, be carried up. And I remember the guy yelling, kill them all at a Mets game. You know? <laughs> uh, that, that, I think, is what does it for me. I, I, you know, people always talk about that. They wax eloquent about the first day. And when you walk out and you see it, it's a billiard table, you know, that, that first. And I remember going to my first game and all that. But to me, it's a, all those images rolled together. You know, that, 
the, the, we had a shit a cyclone fence at Candlestick <laughs> for years. Not a real fence, a cyclone fence. Yeah. And all the hot dog wrappers would blow up against it till at some point the fence would just be white with hot dog wrappers. Wow. And uh, the red dirt from the outfield truck, you know. Yeah. Uh, one time at a Giants game, I remember the batter, the catcher, and the umpire all jumping out of the box at about 3.30 in the afternoon because there was a tornado at the plate. And they all clutching their eyes, ripping their masks off. Uh, the batter, everybody like this. The game just stopped because <laughs> there's so much dirt flying around the home plate. Yeah. I saw a guy miss a pop-up. Uh, night came at Candlestick. It was the Phillies, and I don't remember who the, the second baseman was, but he was wearing a dickie or a scarf clearly underneath his uniform because he started to go back on a pop fly, and it was so windy that the dickie flew out like this, <laughs> and he missed the ball by 15 feet. The ball went, whoa! <laughs> and didn't come down anywhere near him. Like that's the kind of wind sure, that was sure. at that park. The ball went up and then it just went. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that kind of like insanity to, to the, I loved it then. That's baseball. Yeah. That's, there it is. That's my memory. Thank you so much. That's, that's Thanks for having me on. Fellas. Anthony, anything, uh, no, just you thank like you. To, that's that was honest to God. Oh, oh God. I, I know. I wish we could believe me. This is the longest episode we've ever done, but yeah, we got to go. Uh, so uh, thank you so much. Uh, what's your Twitter if you'd like to plug your Twitter? Uh, um, at Greg Proops. I got a new album called In the Ballpark. There's a Bruce Bochy bit on it. It's not all about baseball, but there's a couple good baseball bits. And uh, I got a book called The Smartest Book in the World. It's got way too much baseball in it. And uh, <laughs> so those are all available at gregproops.com. Excellent. And we'll have all those links on clubhousepodcast.com. So check those out. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, this has been Absolutely fantastic. Uh, next week, we're probably going to be back uh, with our rounding third uh, series, our stadium series. I hope you guys have been enjoying that while Anthony has been touring the country with If Then. Uh, make sure you guys go to ifthenthemusical.com slash tour. Ifthenmusical.com. Oh, I'm so sorry. Ifthenmusical.com slash tour. I'll have the link on clubhousepodcast.com. Do you guys have a, a softball team here? Not on the road. Oh, we did okay. We did in New York. I was going to say, usually the Broadway, Broadway teams, teams always yeah. have. Yeah. If then slashers is what we were Really? Yeah, because yeah. Broadway shows always have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, the, the softball league in, in New York is pretty fun. Um, but so, yeah. So check out uh, If Then uh, on tour when it's coming to a town near you. And you know what? Go uh, go harass Anthony after the show. He likes to come and sign autographs and whatnot. Sure. And go go, uh, go harass him. Go say hello. He'll, he'll take a picture with you or sign some with you. So, uh, yeah, we will... Uh, So yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time here in the Clubhouse. The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, This place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.